You're with Julian on the Brownlow and a review of The Devil All the Time, one of the most prominent new films released this year, and also on Netflix, kind of turning the corner after I gave him a lot of stick for only producing action movies these days. Um, I reviewed... Um, I'm thinking of ending things a week or so ago and called it my favourite film of the year. And they're back with another fairly artistic endeavour. Um, it's interesting because last night, for the first time in years, I watched Winter's Bone. I don't know why I didn't include that in my films of the decade or no one else did because it came out right at the start of the decade. So maybe that's why. But um, Daniel Woodrow, he got um, coined the term country noir and his work was based around sort of like the Ozarks um, and these very sort of backwoodsy elements and so on. It was a brilliant film. I haven't seen it for so long. Um, Donald Ray Pollock is a similar author that's come to prominence in recent years and his debut novel, The Devil All the Time. Now, he's called something different. I think it's Hillbilly Noir or something like that, but it's based around the town of arguably the greatest town name in history, Knockham Stiff. It's spelt how you would spell Knockham Stiff as well. In Ohio, which is one of these really, really small towns, often what they call the hollers, which are sort of undulating mountain ranges where people are in the bottom of the valleys and they have these towns in West Virginia where they don't even have mobile phone reception today. Um, and I think... Since Winter's Bone, that kind of rode the crest of a wave of interest in the Ozarks and Appalachian, both good and bad, the culture, the weather, the environment, the geography, the music and the food and their histories, all sort of everyone became fascinated and you saw bands like Fleet Foxes coming through. And also the negative side, which was the poverty, which they've people like West Virginia have always had outsiders coming to town to be photographed with poor kids and so on like lbj in the 60s and it being one of the most desolate and deprived regions of america and the drugs which is um it's a massive um i mean we've we know the elements of winter's bone which was these people mountain folk brewing up crack well not crack in this case crystal meth and blowing themselves up occasionally and also OxyContin, uh, the devastation, some of the worst devastation from prescription medications are in these regions. Uh, so his debut novel, The Devil All the Time, has been made into a film. And that's been directed by... Uh, I don't think they've done anything remotely as big before. Simon Killer in 2012... And Christine, I guess that was the remake of Christine, uh, was only two years ago. This time around, he's got a really big, occasionally big uh, cast, including Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, uh, Jason Clark, Haley Bennett and uh, Robert Pattinson and Mia Wasikowska, which is a pretty big cast. Uh, and this this book is sort of like this gothic um, noir southern pot boiler and it reminds me most of the film um, A Place Beyond the Pines so when we get the start we get the Bill Skarsgård character who's come back from World War II and we get a flashback of World War II where he sees uh, a guy crucified an American soldier crucified 
and skinned alive by the Japanese and he kills this guy to put him out of his misery and it's a shocking scene it's really horrible um, and that forms part of who he is and not in a good way and also religion plays an enormous element to this film it's woven throughout um, the devout Christianity but also the very negative Christianity and application of it in these places that are not a million miles away from you know tribal people believing in supernatural elements they're pretty much just the same cut off from the universe but anyway he his mum is very very devoutly religious and lives in i think west virginia and he meets uh, a woman working in a cafe and ends up falling in love with her and having a family and getting this little house in knockham stiff and she ends up dying of cancer when they're when very young and um they've got a, a young child who grows up later in the film to be the Tom Holland character. Um, I won't give away too much of the plot elements, but basically we follow the lives of his family and the people that are orbiting his family, particularly Jason Clark and um, Riley Keough. I think they're, I think they're both Australian. Um, they, they form this other storyline, which is they're a couple of serial killers or he jason clark is a particular serial killer picking up these hitchhikers on these lonely roads in the middle of nowhere and they they have their own storyline going along in the background but mainly we focus on the family from the start and once the kids parents are gone he moves back to the grandmother's place and it sort of forms around their church um, and it follows their lives from generation to generation and that's what I mean about it being like the place beyond the pines which is that followed from um, Ryan Gosling's character brilliant film too long but brilliant it followed him um, finding out his estranged girlfriend was pregnant and trying to do a bank robbery with Ben Mendelsohn and then it followed on after that with uh, Bradley Cooper's police character that ended up killing him and then the final uh, third of the film was like the later generations and the impact that the past had had on them all. It's a similar setup here. When we get to Tom Holland, we're a long way into the film, but the impact of the deprivation, religion, and um, the dramatically horrible things that happened while he was growing up are all there and all have an impact on them as well as this floating motif of the serial killer in the background, which is a distraction that I don't think is positive on the film. Um, this film, for me, is a really big letdown. Um, I can see what they're going for. I completely get it. But whereas something like A Place Beyond the Pines was continually compelling, it had compelling characters and you followed the narrative through here it's like the characters are placeholders often uh they don't really develop that far and when you move from place to place it's really just moving it doesn't seem to have any sort of cohesive coherent narrative threading everything through um, you start in one deprived horrible situation then you move to another one a few years later um 
not that much sticks out. I did notice the actor um, Sebastian Stan, who's got my award so far this year for the worst performance in the film, as the villain in Old Guard. He's the worst villain I can think of off the top of my head. He appears as a preacher here, and he's much, much better. He's really good in this film. Um, much more suited to the role of this maniacal preacher that pours spiders over himself. Now, the individual moments here are quite powerful at times, and the atmosphere is thick of this guy coming home from World War II, of them trying to settle into a life and make a life where you you don't even have running water, and where the church is so dominant in their lives, and where people can often use that to their own advantage and are often charlatans and prey on people um, in the worst possible ways. Um, I don't think that... I, it, it almost plays like a collection of vignettes, um, and we know that the characters are interrelated and so on, and some of them last throughout the film because they're getting older and other ones are just replaced by new actors you know, instead of having makeup, we get we get Tom Holland instead of the younger kid earlier, um, and the same for his stepsister. Things gradually, gradually pick up. It's a very slow film, and it's too slow by miles. It's two and a half hours long. By the time we get to the Tom Holland elements, we're in the final third of the film, and that's when there is some kind of dramatic heft to the narrative. Up until then, everything's been a placeholder and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, This is the stage where you get Robert Pattinson, who is the standout of the film. I've mocked Tom Holland a lot, and in this film he is excellent and holds it together and he has one of the most deeply written characters instead of just being a placeholder. Robert Pattinson is even better, but he's in um, 15 minutes of this film. He turns up as a preacher who is an abuser, and he is brilliant. He is this horrific character. He is awful. And it would have been so much more an interesting film if they'd have followed him all the way through. Because whenever he's on screen, it's electric. And the best moments are undoubtedly with Tom Holland and him on the screen. You just don't get enough of them. The first hour and a half is kind of build up. But it's build up that doesn't go particularly to anything. Nothing really matters in this film. It's just things happen. Once we get to the Tom Holland third, we do get some uh, more pointed uh, narrative elements happen where big moments happen, life-shattering moments. Well, there are life-shattering moments throughout, but where it actually continues the film on rather than just stopping and then alighting somewhere else years later, which is happens a bit too much in the film. Um, and the final third is a little bit more engaging. Um, but it does involve uh, the Jason Clark serial killer storyline. It made me initially think of The Wire. It sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb. Now, it's a big element when you've got such a naturalistic film, and I won't discount the realism of the rest of the film. The atmosphere is thick. The poverty and degradation is one of the high points of the film because you get to see the way these people live, and it's fascinating. So to have such a big element just sort of squat and occasionally appear in the movie is is kind of ludicrous and it kind of destabilised the film a bit for me, um, though it would have undoubtedly have been even more boring. Um, 
I, I thought Jason Clark was perfunctory, and he's an actor that I've always praised. But uh, Riley Keough is a pick out for a, a, few, a massive star for me, another Australian. And she is fantastic in The Lodge. She's a lead actress, lead actor in The Lodge, which is one of my, <coughs> excuse me, one of my favourite films of the year so far. She stands out a mile. She's much better in this than Jason Clark is. Um, and we get shenanigans where, you know, the Patterson character, that comes to a head. Tom Holland ends up fleeing cross-country and comes into contact with the serial killers and the police are after him. And it's supposed to reach your head. And it kind of does, but it relies on contrivance and coincidence to get there. And those elements are sort of at odds with the naturalism of the rest of the film where things don't go according to plan. Here it's like kind of like, you know, the right person's waiting on the highway at the right time of day on the right month and the right... And it, it, it happens a few times where these contrivances happen right at the moment. And it builds up to a crescendo where it's a bit incredulous as well. Um, a lot of the elements in the final sort of quarter of the film, the way they resolve is a little bit unbelievable. And also it leaves the main character, you kind of think, well, he's not really out of the fire. <laughs> Um, it's a boring film. It's a shame because I love this kind of film. And watching Winter's Bone last night, it was so compelling um, from start to finish. And the characters are so engaging. But we have to wait an hour and a half to get even to Tom Holland. Um, and I'm not sure that we miss much <laughs> uh, getting there. And then when we do, we get what would have been a, a fairly all right pot, southern pot boiler. Um, it's far too long. It's far too indistinct. And it all means far too little. So I'm afraid this film, other than really small standouts like Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland, and the fact that it is very authentic feeling, um, it's very, very dull. And it doesn't achieve much. And it hasn't got a great deal that you'll remember. Maybe the odd shocking scene, because there's quite a bit of violence in it. And some of the religious imagery might stick in the head. But other than that, they're a forgettable bunch of people and it's a fairly humorous world and it's I found myself struggling to get through it because it was really boring. So it's a shame. Uh, the devil, all the time, I'm going to give a really bad 5.5 out of 10 to. I did spend at least an hour and a half of this film wishing it would hurry up. Um, so it's a shame. It's worth a watch for the elements, but when you get to the end, you're going to be really glad that it's over and you probably won't think about it again. Five and a half out of ten for The Devil all the time. 30th anniversary of Rides Nowhere, the Oxford four-piece Kings of Shoegaze.